welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. And you can send along a donation with the Zell app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Joe and Benita for supporting the show in that way. Uh, it's been quite a while since we've received a donation uh, via Zell, and we got uh, two, um, like, within 12 hours. Uh, you can also send your one-time donation on to support.greatdetectives.net uh, or by mail to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Uh, well, now it's time for today's episode of Dragnet. The original air date is July the 26th, 1955, and the title is The Big Housemaid. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a burglary detail. A woman posing as a housemaid has been stealing cash and other valuables from homes in your city. Your job? Stop her. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department... You will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, October 11th. It was cloudy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Bernard. My name's Frank. We're on our way back from lunch, and it was 1.17 p.m. when we got to room 45. Burglary. Hey, Smith. Huh? Your wife called while you're out. Wants you to call her back. Oh, thanks. That's funny. I'd like Faye to call in the middle of the day. Well, kids are all right when I left this morning. Wonder what she wants. Why don't you call her and find out? You're not married, Joe. You don't understand. Sometimes a guy wants a minute to think things over. Sort of prepare himself if he's done something he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, have you? How about what? Done something you shouldn't. Of course not. Then be my guest. Okay, thanks. And I'll dial nine for you, too. That's mighty nice. Funny, I know the kids are all right. Mm-hmm. Hi, honey. Yeah, and I just told me. Well, we're out to lunch. Why? Is something wrong? Oh. When it happened. Nice. Does she know who? She reported? 
Why not? Oh, yeah. Now, what'd you tell him? I guess we could. Yeah. Sure. That's afternoon, I guess. Yeah, Joseph. I'll be about 7.30, I guess. All right, honey, thanks for telling me. If anything comes up, I'll call you. Yeah, bye. <laughs> nice old lady like that. What's that? I don't think you ever met her, Joe. Her name's Mrs. Vesper. No, it doesn't sound familiar. She used to live next door to us when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Known me since... Mm, well, ever since I can remember. I yeah. She's alone now. Faye calls her up every once in a while, see if she's all right. Mm-hmm. Called her this morning. Yeah. Ms. Vesper says she had some money stolen, some jewelry. Happened yesterday. Didn't she report it? Hmm? Faye doesn't seem to think so. Wants me to talk to her. All right, let's go. Well? Mm, Joe? Yeah? You gotta promise me something. You gotta give me your word right here. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to kid me afterwards about the way she treats me. Ms. Vesper? Yeah. I told you she's known me all my life. Yeah. Well, sometimes she acts like I'm still a little boy. Mm. You know how it is. Sure. So you won't rib me, huh? No. About anything, anything at all? Well, what are you getting at? Well, she doesn't think I ought to be on the force for one thing. I might as well tell you about it. If I don't, she will. Yeah. She always claims I should have taken up something else. Like what? Oh, you know the crazy ideas people get, especially about kids. Mm. Well, Miss Vesper thinks I... Well, see, when I was a lot younger, real young, old, 10 or 12, I... I used to sort of memorize things, little pieces and poems. Well, what? Memorize things, poems and little pieces, poems. and I'd go next door and, and recite them for her. Yeah. You say she's known you all her life? Yeah, practically, I guess. Well, it'll be true if we don't get out there. Mm, well, she got a real kick out of them poems. and I wasn't much good, but she was prejudiced because she liked me, you know. Mm-hmm. Want to go? Hmm? Want to go? Yeah, but I just want to explain this. That she thinks I should have kept at it, made it my career. Reciting poems? No, not exactly reciting, Joe. She... I didn't just recite them. You wrote them, too. Yeah. Frank and I left the office and drove out to the home of Mrs. Sarah Vesper. She lived in a small bungalow on Las Palmas Street in the Miracle Mile District. It was 2.07 p.m. when we got there. Why, for goodness sake, Frank Smith, where on earth did you come from? Afternoon, Miss Vesper. Mrs. Vesper? What's gotten into you, Frank? You've never called me that before in your whole life. Well, I meant Aunt Sarah. Well, now that's more like it. Who's this you got here with you? Aunt Sarah, this is my partner, Sergeant Friday. Oh, pleased to meet you. I do, ma'am. You work for Frank, do you, young man? Aunt Sarah, uh, we work together. Oh, you don't say. Well, I expect that keeps you from getting lonesome, don't it? Yes, ma'am. My goodness, now, don't just stand there. Come on inside, both of you. Thank you very much. Well, sir, this isn't the darndest coincidence. Ma'am? You're coming to visit me today. Oh, sit right down, sit right down. After you, boss. Thanks. Believe it or not, I was talking to your wife only this morning. Then the next thing I know, here you are. Yes, ma'am, Faye told me. Oh, my stars. What's the matter, Aunt Sarah? Oh, I just remember. That's why you're here, ain't it? On account of what I said to Faye. Yes, yeah, sir. I should never have mentioned it to her. I don't know what's the matter with me. I, I must be losing my mind or something. I just keep forgetting that you're a policeman. Oh. Well, you oughtn't to have been one in the first place. Now, if you'd just taken my advice. Aunt Sarah. Oh, now, don't misunderstand me, please. I'm not criticizing the police. Well, we certainly couldn't get along without him, and I'd be the first to say so, but some 
people have a talent for one thing, and some people are talented in a different direction. Isn't that right, Mr. Friday? Yes, ma'am. You take Frank here. He had a real talent for making up verses, even when he was just a little tyke. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Well, I heard a little something about it. A real talent, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember some of his poems to my dying day. They rhymed and everything. Is that right? Say, Aunt Sarah, would you tell that us about... That one about the rainbow. That was one of his very best. Did he ever do it for you, Mr. Friday? No, no, I don't think he did. Oh, it gave you such a beautiful picture... Just like an artist had painted it, only with words. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not sure I do. Go ahead, Frank. Say it for Mr. Friday. Oh, please, Aunt Sarah. Now I know he'd like to hear it, wouldn't you, Mr. Friday? I sure would. All right, Frank. The one about the rainbow. I don't remember it, Aunt Sarah. Oh, now you're just being modest. Yes, yes, you are, Frank. Joe. No, really, I don't, Aunt Sarah. I don't remember. Not a word, honest. Seems funny you'd forget a thing like that. I mean, when you made it up yourself. Well, it's been a long time. Hasn't been any longer for you than it has for me, and I can still remember it. Just as clear as the first time I heard it. What? Rainbow, rainbow, up so high. That's how it begun, Mr. Friday. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it, Frank. Rainbow, rainbow, up so high. Blue and red and yellow and brown, like an arch across the sky. Won't you ever tumble down? <laughs> Where did it go from there, Frank? The next verse, what was it? I'm sorry, Aunt Sarah, but uh, we haven't got much time. Oh, well, anyway, that gives you an idea of Frank's talent. Yes, ma'am, it sure does. Oh, come on, Aunt Sarah, would you just tell us about the things that were stolen from you? Miss Vesper. Oh, well, I suppose I should have gotten in touch with the police. Yes, ma'am, you should have. Well, I didn't see where that would help matters, none. Just like closing the barn door after the horse had been stolen, and besides, I didn't want to hurt Barbara's feelings. Barbara? My niece. Oh, I see. You remember Barbara, Frank? Hmm? Oh, sure. You played out in the backyard with her the whole summer she was visiting me. Kind of a scrawny girl. Oh. Of course, she's filled out now. You just wouldn't recognize her. Has two children of her own. Nice home out in Westwood. Yes, ma'am. What's your niece got to do with all this, Miss Vesper? Oh, she's the one who sent her. Ma'am? The cleaning woman. Well, did you know your niece was sending this woman over? No, no, I, I guess it was supposed to be kind of a surprise. Oh? Anyway, she just come up to the door yesterday morning, oh, long about 9.30, announced that she was ready to go to work. I see. First, I didn't know what she was getting at. And then she explained about Barbara hiring her to give me a hand. Of course, I don't need nobody, a little place like this, no trouble at all. Yes, ma'am. But I didn't want to hurt Barbara's feelings, so I told her to come on in. Figured maybe she could help out some of the heavy work, you know, turning the mattresses and moving furniture. Sure. What was the woman's name, Aunt Sarah? Margaret. That's what she told me, Margaret. Do you know her last name? No. No, don't think she even mentioned it. All right, what happened next? Well, we did the cleaning. Not that she was much of a housekeeper. Practically had to go over the whole place after she left. About how long did she stay, do you remember? Half day. That's what she said Barbara hired her for. Must have been about, oh, 
Ten after one when she went. Didn't even give me a full four hours. Mm -hmm. Insisted on my fixing her some lunch, too. Uh, I tell you, that woman sure had her share of gall, eating my sandwiches at the same time she was robbing me. Wonder she didn't ask for car fare. Mm -hmm. Well, just what was it she stole? My cash money. Cleaned out every pocketbook in the dresser. Found the bills I had hid under the dresser scarf, too. Yes, ma'am. How soon did you find out that these things were gone? A little while after she left, when I went to straighten up the mess she'd made. And you still haven't talked to your niece about all this? I told you I didn't want to get her all upset. Mm -hmm. I suppose she will think it's funny I haven't called to thank her. I wonder if you'd mind calling her now. You mean right now? Yes, ma'am. And do I have to? Well, we'd like to get this cleaning woman's name and address. You don't have to say why you're calling, Aunt Sarah. Oh, she's bound to know something's wrong. Barbara's no fool. Well, if you won't talk to her, we will. We can find out where she lives. Huh. Guess I was wrong about you, Frank Smith. Ma'am? <laughs> Guess you're turning into a policeman after all. <laughs> like looking a gift horse in the teeth, that's what it is. Barbara's going to think you don't appreciate all she's done for me. Oh, you wait there, I'll be right back. Yes, ma'am. All right, go ahead and say it. Hmm? Go on, get it over with. Ride me about the poem. I saw you smirking. I'd rather you did that than just sit there with that silly smirk on your face. I suppose you never made up any poems when you were a kid, huh? Oh, might have. I'll bet. Blue and red and brown, like an archip in the sky. When will you tumble down? Is that it? It's not chill. Of course, I wasn't a real talented poet. Yeah. What are you staring at, then? No, nothing, nothing at all. Well, then stop it, will you? No, I was just noticing you need a haircut, don't you? Well, I'm going to get one this week. You're not letting it grow long, then. Why would I let... Joe, so help me if we ever get out of here. Hmm. Just slipped out. I won't say another word, I promise. Or look, either, huh? I won't even look. Well, now that isn't the strangest thing. Did you get a hold of your niece, Miss Vesper? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I talked to her, but I don't understand it. Simply don't understand it. What's that? A cleaning woman. What about her? Barbara didn't have anything to do with it. Oh? She's never even heard of her. Frank and I continued to talk to the victim. Mrs. Vesper told us that the suspect was WFA, about 40 years old, 5 feet 3 or 4, weighing approximately 140 pounds. Said she was wearing a house dress and a light gray coat. She also gave us a detailed description of the jewelry that had been stolen. Frank telephoned Mrs. Vesper's niece, and she said she was not acquainted with anyone who answered the suspect's description. 5.17 p.m. The crime lab reported they had found no physical evidence at the Vesper residence. Three days later, October 14th, we received a theft report from a woman living near Wilshire and Western. The suspect had gained entrance by saying that a neighbor had sent her to clean. The description tallied with what we already had. During the next two weeks, nine more thefts were reported. In each case, the suspect had used the same M.O. and the description indicated that the crimes had all been the work of the same woman. Eight of the thefts took place within a few blocks of Wilshire Boulevard in the area between Vermont and Fairfax. In one instance, the suspect had been seen departing on the Wilshire bus. Police officers staked out buses and bus stops. Lists of the stolen property were sent to all pawn shops in the city. Two women were brought in for questioning, but the victims were unable to give positive identification. Employment agencies for domestic workers were contacted. Newspaper want ads were checked. No leads developed. Saturday, October 29th, 2.17 p.m. I get it. Burglary Friday. Who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Corky. What's that? Yeah, thanks. 
If you can? Okay. Corky Levis. Yeah? Woman's in his pawn shop trying to unload a diamond clip. Oh? Corky says it's on our list. the office and drove down to Corky Levitt's pawn shop on South Main. Over the phone, Corky had said he would stall the woman as long as he could. It was 2.28 p.m. when we got to his place. The woman was still there. You make up your mind, Buster? Give me some dough on the thing or hand it back. I'll take it someplace else. Let's have a look at it, Corky. Sure. Hey, what is this? Police officers. Huh? All right, let's go. Take your hands off me or I'll I said let's go. Thanks, Corky. Sure, you bet. Yeah, thanks a lot. I suppose you let me in on it. What's the beef? We'll talk it over at the office, huh? About what? This clip. You mean it's hot? Is that what you're getting at? Why don't you tell us? Well, wouldn't you know it? Lucky Rita. Sure walked into it this time, didn't it? Looks like it. You clowns have got your minds all made up. You think I stole that pen, don't you? Somebody did. 2.42 p.m. We contacted Control One and notified them we were bringing in a female suspect. They took down our mileage and location and made a note of the time. Eight minutes later, we pulled into the city hall, and we again checked with Control One. While the suspect was being searched by a policewoman, we talked to one of the victims. The victim positively identified the diamond clip as belonging to her. 3.41 p.m., we interrogated the suspect in the squad room. All right, sit down over there. You want a cigarette? Yeah. All right, now suppose you tell us about it. Come on, Rita, let's get it over with. What's there to tell? You guys know all the answers. We know some of them. Your name's Rita Baines. You've fallen three times, forgery, grand theft, burglary. You made two trips to the Hatchaby and one to Corona. So you looked up my record. Big deal. Now let's talk about this diamond clip, huh? Okay. Pretty, ain't it? Where'd you get it, Rita? Didn't I steal it? Isn't that why you brought me up here? <sighs> it's a difference. You wouldn't believe me no matter what I told you. Why don't you try the truth? Okay. It was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Lady gave it to me. Who was she? I don't know. Never saw her before in my life. Sure. I was riding the bus yesterday afternoon. She was sitting next to me. Mm hmm. Had that pin on, asked me if I liked it. You bet. I said, sure. She took it off, said I could have it. Just handed it right over, just like that. Yeah. Mm. What'd she look like, Rita? I don't know. Forty, maybe forty-five, a little on the hefty side. And you never seen her before? First time. Mm hmm. You know, when I was a little girl, my folks always told me not to take things from strangers. Sure, they did. Yeah. Guess they were right. All right, Rita, what do you do for a living? Wait table. Where? Borrow on Pico. You work days or nights? Nights, mostly. Don't open before 4 o'clock. Every morning's free, then, huh? Law against it? Ever do any housework? Straighten up my room once in a while. Ever do housework for somebody else? What do you mean? Like a cleaning woman. I ain't that hard up for a job, even with a record. All right, let's talk about this pin some more. You didn't believe me, did you? Pretty hard to swallow, isn't it? Yeah. The lady it belongs to says it's worth over $100. Pawnbroker didn't think so. People don't go around giving away $100 clips now, do they? Where'd you get it? Same on the bus asked me if I liked it. I said yes, she gave it to me. Yeah. You guys don't mind if I stick to that story, do you? Seeing as how it's the truth. Which bus were you riding? Wilshire. Where'd your friend get off? She wasn't my friend. Where'd she get off? I don't know. I got off first. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if it was somebody else telling you this, you might go along with it. Yeah, sure we would. But not me. Not Rita Bain. You cops give a gal a record from then on, she might as well be dead. Sure. Anytime there's trouble, pick her up. She probably did it. If she tells you different, she's probably lying. You know, you got one thing wrong, Rita. 
I ought to know. It's happened to me often enough. I'm the gal with the record. Yeah, but we didn't give it to you. Frank and I continued to question the suspect, but she refused to change her story. 8.42 p.m. A special show-up was held for several of the burglary victims. None of them identified Rita Baines. 9.06 p.m. She was released from custody, and we went back to the office. Well, if she didn't take that clip, she knows who did. Maybe. Yeah, stands to reason, Joe. Nobody's going to go to all the trouble of stealing this stuff and then give it away. Hmm. Burglary Friday. Yes, ma'am. What's that? I see. Mm-hmm. Yes, we would. What's your address? All right, thank you very much. Just a few minutes. Goodbye. Well, here we go again. Another burglary? Mm-mm. Another piece of free jewelry. Frank and I drove out to an address on South Risley Drive. 9.32 p.m., we talked to Mrs. Lucy Heflin. She showed us a pearl choker that had been given to her by a woman she met at a bus stop earlier in the evening. I didn't want to take it. I told her so, but she wouldn't listen. Yes, ma'am. And then afterwards, when I got home and thought about it, well, I started wondering if maybe there was some reason why she was so anxious to get rid of those pearls. So I called you. Just where was it you saw this woman, Miss Evelyn? Corner of Wilshire and Barstow. That's where I was waiting for my bus. I take the Wilshire Express home. Uh-huh. She was on a local. I see. And when it pulled up, she got out. I guess she must have turned her ankle or something. Anyway, she dropped her pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Well, I... Helped her pick up her things, and that's when she gave me this choker. I see. Said she didn't have any use for it herself and for me to keep it. Tried to give it back, but she wouldn't wait. Mm-hmm. I tried to follow her, but just then my bus came along, and I knew there wouldn't be another one for maybe an hour. Yes, ma'am. They don't run very regular after 8 o'clock. Yes. Anyway, I figured I could always return the choker if that seemed like the best thing. How were you going to do that, Miss Heflin? Do you know the woman? Oh, no, no, but I watched her from the bus. We had to wait for the light to change. Yeah. Saw so her go into a building, apartment house. Oh? I suppose that's where she lives. Ms. Heflin told us that the woman had entered an apartment house on Barstow Street, two doors from the Wilshire corner. We asked her to describe the suspect, and her description tallied with what we already had. 10.15 p.m., we drove over to the Barstow Avenue address and talked to the manager of the apartment. He told us that a woman answering the suspect's description lived on the second floor, apartment 7. He said that her name was Edna Landy. Frank and I went upstairs to talk to her. Somebody's coming. Yeah. Ms. Landy? Yes, sir. Police officers. Oh? I'd like you to come downtown with us, Ms. Landy. All right, I'll get my coat. Never mind, I'll get it for you. It's in the closet over there. Okay. I'll look around while I'm at it, Joe. Yeah. He won't find anything. That's so? I gave the last of it away just this evening. Mm-hmm. Lady I met at the bus stop gave the last piece to her. I see. She was very kind to me. Helped me when I dropped my purse. I'm glad I had something nice for her. Girl choker, that's what it was. Yeah. Let's clean, Joe. All right. I said you wouldn't find anything. Why'd you do it, Miss Landy? Why'd you steal those things? Oh, I wasn't stealing. Oh, you weren't, huh? Of course not. I'm just teaching them a lesson. Yeah. They needed it. Needed it bad. Never trust anybody. Always say you're stealing from them. Well, who are you talking about, Miss Landy? People that hired me to work for them. Do their cleaning. These people didn't hire you? Yeah, they're all the same. Folks out here, back east, all the same. Where's back east? Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. 
Doesn't matter how much you do, how hard you try. Ma'am. Sooner or later, something's missing. They say you took it. Mm-hmm. Well, for him, ten years. Doesn't matter. At least little thing gets lost, they say you're a thief. I see. Made up my mind to show them. As long as they're going to blame me anyway, might as well do something to deserve it. Mm-hmm. Good lesson. That's what they need. All right, let's go. I'm an honest woman. I've always been honest. Sure. I never took that money from Mrs. Dresser. She was wrong to say I did. Never took nothing that didn't belong to me. Until you came out here. That's different. Yeah. Even then, I wasn't taken from myself. I gave all the jewelry away. It wasn't for me. Well, it was more than jewelry, Miss Landy. A lot of money missing, too. Well, I didn't keep it. Oh? I sent it off, every penny. Sent it to charity, different charities all over. I wouldn't keep something that wasn't mine. I see. Maybe next time they'll be a little more careful who they say is a thief. Yes, ma'am. Isn't right to accuse somebody when she hasn't done it just because you're the cleaning woman. That doesn't mean you're not honest. Mm-hmm. Well, I showed them. Showed them if I really wanted to be a crook, how easy it was. Mm-hmm. You mustn't think I was doing anything wrong. No. Just trying to make them understand, that's all. Cleaning woman's like everybody else. She's got feelings, too, and pride, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe now they'll see where they made their mistake. Yeah. Well, they better. I won't stand for being called a liar and a thief, not anymore. Folks better treat me a whole lot different from here on in. Well, that's right, Miss Landy. What? They will. The story you've just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On December 14th, a hearing was held in Department 96, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that hearing... Edna Foster Landy was examined by three psychiatrists appointed by the court and was found to be mentally incompetent. She was committed to a state medical hospital for an indefinite period of treatment. You have just heard Dragnet. A series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Welcome back. The case was relatively short in terms of how much uh, time it took up in the episode, but the amount of time spent with Frank Smith squirming uh, was a much bigger portion of the episode. And it was nice, you know, the way that Friday essentially just sat there and said things like, Yeah, tell me about that. I could swear that I'd seen that in a 1950s TV episode. Uh, though the big housemate is not one of those where the TV episode is available, so... They may have used it for another episode. I do feel bad for the lady who got detained by the police, though I don't actually know if the police would have given any more credence to the story if someone else were telling it. It is pretty uh, fantastic that somebody steals this uh, necklace and gives it away to a complete stranger to prove a point about their honesty or lack thereof. Still, sometimes unbelievable things do happen. 
All right, well, some listener comments and feedback. And we started out with some comments we received regarding the episode from a couple weeks ago. Vicky notes, well, it started... The show started with one crime, moved on to a second crime, and finished the second crime. We are left hanging on the first crime. Uh, does the man regain consciousness, or does he pass away? And that is a fair point. Dragnet does do that uh, on occasion. Uh, if you remember the big fraud episode we played a few weeks back, uh, that it began with one type of fraud being reported, and uh, then uh, they handed off the case to someone else. And I, th- I think it's probably believable for a detective with a heavy workload uh, to not actually go back and find out. You know, they handed out the case to someone else, uh, and so it's never actually uh, revealed. Um, I do think in this case they did put a little bit more emotional weight uh, behind it, so it would have been nice to get a resolution. But Dragnet does do this uh, a lot with uh, you know with a wide variety of different cases where they don't give resolutions, at least in the fifties uh, series. I do know that in Adam Twelve, most of the time uh, you did uh, you know you would have these multiple cases. And you'd have some that would kind of weave, a, you know, throughout the particular story uh, in the episode. And then, you know, you would find out what happened in the end regarding, you know, this particular case. But, yeah, particularly with 1950s Dragnet, they would just, you know, leave things uh, hanging so they could get to the main business that they're working through. Uh, and then Lawrence says, uh, until it was revealed, uh, that the boy's name was Peter, I thought it was going to turn out he was Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. Hmm. Might have been a little bit before Sheldon's time. And then Stephen says, I had comments to make about this show, and then you made all of them for me in your commentary. Great job. Well, thanks, uh, Stephen. Glad to be of assistance. And then we have a, a longer email, uh, this one from Rod regarding Dragnet um, uh, and the podcast in general. Do all the podcasts consist primarily of the original audio to each episode? Are any of them true rewinds or discussions like The Talking Dead? Uh, do you take calls or do podcasts with other fans? Um, we do have a voicemail number where people can call in and leave uh, leave their thoughts. Um, I, uh, you can call over to 208 991 4783. I have to admit, I've not mentioned that number as much because some people took the number and started using it to try and get telephone technical support for their iPod and or app issues, which uh, if you're having issues with the app, then you want to get contact us and do troubleshooting. And I'm just getting, like, call center flashbacks. But if you do have, like, comments on the show that you'd like to share that way, certainly that is welcome. In terms of trying to do things live, I've tried a few times over the years, and it's it's not worked out uh, in terms of getting people to, you know, all together at the same time. 
the probably the biggest thing that I did was uh, there are episodes of the Ellery Queen radio program, which uh, before Ellery Queen reveals the solution, there's an interview with a mystery uh, panelist. And uh, there are several episodes where that portion of the program is missing. So I, I got some volunteers from the audience and we recorded a segment for that. But beyond that, it's just a difficulty of time. And I think what most of the audience is looking for, I think it would be fun to talk through some uh, things like in a broader basis with multiple people. But I almost feel like that would have to be a separate podcast because people kind of expect, you know, just to get the audio drama, certainly commentary before and after. But if... You know, you started putting out episodes where, you know, we were just discussing, uh, like in a panel, that would be, you know, interesting to a certain audience, but it does feel like it'd be a different podcast, and I don't know if there is quite the demand for that to make it worthwhile. I've, I've seriously thought about doing something like around classic TV detectives, you know, uh, where we would, you know, watch uh, a movie or around modern audio dramas where, of course, you know, we couldn't play the audio dramas on the podcast. But it's, it hasn't got much beyond the thinking stage. I would be open to it. I just really would need to find the, you know, right, uh, right person and to really have the sense that this was something that people uh, were interested in and would therefore be worth the effort. Rod continues on, here's my two cents. I've been watching the newer Dragnet episodes on and off for years and came across the original eight series on YouTube with nothing to do during the coronavirus timeout. I must have seen about 60 or so of them by now, mostly from the earlier years as these are easier to find and the videos uh, seem to be mostly in better shape. Long and short, I'm intrigued by the lengthy narratives that sometimes show up. Some of them are quite brilliant, almost um, a Matt or Aaron Sorkin quality, but somehow it seemed to me that some parts of these narratives were extemporaneous and improvised because of the nature of the show, which was produced largely on the cheap. I saw an episode tonight involving a missing woman and her child. I am... The B seems to have mismatched the plotline in the official title, which was The Big Bounce. But there's a long scene with a bar owner talking about the way he does business while he is eating lunch. And a good part of the scene involves him talking with his mouth full, which is extraordinary and hilarious. And the other actors seemed uh, to be having a hard time preventing themselves from breaking. Uh, obviously, it will be uh, difficult to get a first-hand account about these uh, 65-year-old episodes, but it would be great to know more about what went on behind the scenes there uh, and to touch base with perhaps the children of actors who appeared in it and maybe be able to relate some of that stuff. That would be uh, that would definitely be interesting for an interview. I will say that um, uh, regarding the question about you know it being improvised, it wasn't improvised. Uh, Jack Webb, you know, ran a tight ship on the set of Dragnet. Uh, but the way Dragnet was written was to be very much like, you know, real life. You know, you don't just, you walk, walk up to interview somebody unless you're taking them in. 
you know, they've got other things that are going on and they're trying to do their work, you know, particularly if you're just, you know, popping in to ask them a question for a couple minutes. So if they're at their place of business, they're going to be doing other things. They're not always going to get direct to the point, which, you know, gets to the myth of Jack, of Joe Friday saying just the facts, man, which he never said. And, he did not seem to come close to saying in today's episode when uh, talking to the uh, uh, elderly friend of Frank Smith. Uh, and uh, uh, Rod goes on to write, Also, I find it very remarkable that the police procedural format has not advanced too much since Dragnet uh, first appeared. Indeed, a case could be made that the office, a UK uh, version, has roots in Dragnet in which some of the boring stuff is deliberately part of the show used to offset the action sequences. Lastly, there isn't really an official canon that goes with Dragnet the way there's an official canon for Star Trek and other shows. There are some inconsistencies. In an episode which Friday shot a man to death, he says he unholstered his gun only three previous times, but there were a number of preceding episodes uh, with him involved in shootouts, including one in which he had two shootouts with the same perp. And obviously the timelines are ridiculous. The team apparently work on the number of cases uh, for months at a time, and yet each season has 39 or so episodes, very, very few of which were closed in a single day without uh, a disrupting uh, court appearance in some other case. Uh, but there's no way to complain about a show that is far more realistic than most. Somehow, TV Private Eye Mannix was shot 17 times and beaten unconscious 55 times in 194 episodes. Well, that is the danger of uh, being a private detective rather than on the police force. I'm sure that explains it entirely. Uh, thank you so much for the email, Rod. And I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Andrea, Patreon supporter since April, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Join us back here tomorrow for Public uh, Domain Video Theater, and then we'll be back on uh, Monday with Box 13. And then next Tuesday, it'll be uh, the Airmail Mystery, and we'll be back next Saturday, another episode of Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.